How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Eucalypt Speed Test Intelligence Data. Fixed median download speeds. US Q3 2023. I'm Tony Kornheiser. This is my show. My friends come on and you know them. We talk about the sports you care about. Basketball now, golf, and the metronome of your life, baseball. Whether it's opening day, the big tournament, or one of the majors, we have the best to preview it and break down just what happened. And let's not forget the important stuff, the amount of daylight where I live, the importance of speedies, and the rankings of beach-style pizza. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Huge start of the actual college football season in front of us so much stuff going on and so we're going to turn to our buddy our friend from cbs sports cbs sports hq the very talented barrett salee joins us on the show barrett what's up buddy oh man just a little tired after what was a wild (laughs) thursday night man you couldn't ask for a better thursday night to start the season i thought that two pick sixes two in the fourth quarter to take leads there were two last year for the entire season. So, man, it was a fun, fun night. Yeah, that backyard brawl was really fun and really cool, West Virginia and Pitt. Look, I understand that there's scheduling realities and all kinds of thing, money, all kinds of things. But just based on the energy and the excitement and the vibe of that, why not do that every single year? Why not just for both those programs and just for fans in general build it in? I, look, I agree with you 100%. Obviously, with college football – the out-of-conference schedules are 10, 15 years in advance. But now we're, we are going to get it. I think there are five more years uh, of that rivalry over the next eight or nine. So, you know, you're still going to get it. But I love games like that where I mean, they literally hate each other. Like, that's not like fake. They <laughs> literally hate each other. And to have that on opening weekend, you know, I think that's perfect because we know we have – conference schedules and there are conference rivalries obviously that come out at the end of of the of november but some of these just need to be viewed and to have that happen on the opening thursday night is awesome for the sport you could even put some of those on week zero it would still be awesome for the sport uh but yeah those two need to play every year uh because you could you could sense the excitement and the anger between those two fan bases Barrett, I'm with you. I wish across all sports leagues, professional and amateur, they would lean to the hate more often. It is a perfect ingredient to just bring out the best in athletes. Those rivalries are, are, are special. Um, we Barrett Slee here on, on the show on this Friday. We've talked a lot, obviously, about the college football playoff, the possibility of expansion, how we should view that possibility given the rising dominance and prominence of the Big Ten and the SEC and their ability to poach really important programs. Most recently, obviously, Big Ten getting USC and UCLA in the city I'm, I'm, I'm from or I'm in. Um, for you, it's a really complicated situation. As a guy that covers the sport every day, that's one of one of the premier experts in the country, what do you think should happen? What is best for the game as it relates to college football expansion or, or, or non-expansion? You know, I've always been uh, a minimalist. I, I think if you expand the college football playoff, you're just draining access and not rewarding excellence. It's still going to be the same teams. It's just that's the way 
things operate. So I, I don't like the fact that we're doing, I really don't like the fact that we're doing this right now at the start of the season. I mean, save some topics and some, and some content for late February. <laughs> it's just right now, I think the presidents have basically said, you know, screw it. You guys are not handling this well. Commissioners, working groups, we're done with all of this. We can vote. We can ratify it. We're going to do it. Um, so to me, I think it's a little irresponsible to do this knowing that there's still going to be a lot of chess pieces moving around in terms of conference realignment. So to, to have this happen, which will be 2024, because it will be, you know, coincide with the Big 12 TV contract and then the Texas and Oklahoma can move to the SEC. So there still will be some sense of, of normalcy once this whole thing happens. But it's just, to me, it's just it's, they're doing it out of, and I'm going to say anger, but frustration more than anything else. And, you know, I don't like it. Um, I do like, in a backwards way, I do like the 12-team proposal that happened last summer more than an eight-team playoff, even though I'm a minimalist, because it doesn't necessarily guarantee spots for, conf- for every conference champion. You know, it's the top six conferences. And if there's a seven-and-five team that strings an upset in the conference championship game, even in the SEC, they're not getting one of those spots. So I kind of like that a little bit, but I, it's just a shame. I think the easiest way to go about the playoff would be keeping it four and then change the selection process because I think – the lack of transparency in the selection process is at the core of what people really don't like about it. That, that's a great point. And Barrett, I am one of those people who don't who welcome expansion, despite all the, the very reasonable things you just walked us through, in part because, and I, I'm a Big Ten, from, I grew up in Big Ten country, my, my family are all Iowa fans. I went to Missouri, I don't even know what conference to root for as a Mizzou guy now, I was there in the Big 12 days, but I live out west, and I, I certainly can relate to folks out here who feel like the Pac-12, fair or not fair, gets dismissed every year when Oregon loses to whoever they're going to lose to. Maybe it'll be Georgia here this weekend and we can talk about it. But if you're one of the conferences trying to survive or, or hold on to some prominence that keeps seeing your schools go away, if you're the Big 12, if, if you're the Pac-12, does an expanded football playoff format give you a road to a little bit of salvation or a little bit of safety, given all the chaos that's happened to you over the last few months? I guess theoretically, yes. But that can backfire. Because if the Pac-12 gets in every year automatically and gets smoked, I would say that's worse than what happens right now, right? Because at least if you're not getting in, you're not getting the national spotlight of getting your tail kicked in the playoffs. So, you know, theoretically because of access, yes. But like I said before, I would rather reward excellence than grant access. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think there are two ways to look at that. And, again, that gets back to the original point, though, Bill, is that we don't even know what the Pac-12 is going to be. Right? So if the Pac-12 is comparable to the AAC, then we're having a completely different conversation about, you know, what's a a playoff-worthy team out of that conference as opposed to right now when, you know, there's still Oregon, there's still Washington, there's still Utah, there's still good teams there. Barrett here on the show. Speaking of Oregon, it feels like every year there's just massive pressure on that program to beat whatever major program in their non-conference schedule they're up against. I mean, it's another big one. Give them credit from a scheduling perspective. Oregon against Georgia, what is it, 11 versus 3 coming up. Um, Walk me through this game and and what an Oregon win looks like if you think that's even a possibly reasonable outcome. 
don't think it's possible because we've seen Bo Nix against Georgia, and it does not work. Two total touchdowns, three total inter- uh, uh, turnovers in three games. He's 0-3 against Georgia. He plays YOLO ball way too much, and against Georgia's defense, that's not going to fly. Now, I know the, the, the response would be, well, Georgia lost five first-round draft picks off that defense, 15 de- uh, uh, draft picks overall. It's not going to be anywhere close to what it was last year. That is a, a, a mindset coming out of ignorance because they still have Jalen Carter, who's better than Jordan Davis. They still have Nolan Smith, who alongside N'Kobe Dean was the best linebacker in, on that team last year. They still have Christopher Smith. They still have Keely Ringo. Those are four first-round draft picks out of that defense right now. So this idea that they're just going to take a massive step back defensively, it's just not true. Now, they're not going to be what they were last year. That's just insane to think something like that could be repeated, but that's still a top-five defense with dudes all over the place. So if, you're, if you already know that the quarterback you're going up against struggles against you, I mean, what, why is there – any doubt that you're going to be able to hold him in check again. So I just think to me, if Georgia's being overlooked, then I don't think people have a full recognition of what that program has really been doing and what Kirby Smart has done from a recruiting perspective over the last few years. Think about this. They didn't add anybody through the transfer portal. They didn't have to. That's pretty telling as to where that program is. I'm Barrett Silly here on the show. I'm not sure there's a worse thing that you can direct toward a, a proud program or person than pity. But as I heard you talk in such accurate terms, all I felt was pity for the number 11 team in the country. Barrett Silly here on the here on the show. Uh, Barrett, another. I mean, I think the game of the weekend is Notre Dame Ohio State. I mean, my goodness, what 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 a start. What um what are you expecting from from that contest? You know, I'm. I'm so intrigued with that Ohio State defensive front. Jim Knowles comes over from a, a successful stand as the defensive coordinator at Oklahoma State. He's charged with reviving the Oklahoma or the Ohio State defense, which talented, not well coached. And I just want to see what they do against a really good Notre Dame offensive line. Because if that Notre Dame offensive line plays well, I know we haven't seen a lot of Tyler Buckner at quarterback for Notre Dame, but He's really dangerous, and we've seen that aspect of his game. So I think that's the biggest thing to me is how does Jim Knowles get pressure on him and what does that front seven actually look like? Because the talent's there. We've seen that. But the consistency has not been and the discipline has not been. I think those are the two most important things because, I mean, look, we know C.J. Stroud's going to get his. But if they can keep this, Notre Dame can keep this a sub-30-point game, they're going to have a chance. But the last thing Notre Dame needs is Tyler Butner getting into a shootout with the Heisman Trophy favorite because that ain't going to work. Barrett, I'm, I'm so interested in the idea of fallen programs and rightfully proud programs that, that are, are something different than in reality than what their, their fan base views as their rightful place. And, and circling back to the pity conversation, I went to the University of Missouri during the Corby Jones years. You know, <laughs> I'm not sure it's the highest high, but it was for us. And Nebraska was a program when they were in the Big 12 that just continuously abused us, humiliated us. There was the kick game. I could just go through the whole thing. They found new and creative ways to rip our sporting souls from our chest. And so all these years later, and I do have family members from Nebraska, that I feel pity 
for that program is a very weird and strange and bizarre feeling. And I really thought that Scott Frost was going to bring them back to a level of self-respect, if not if not greatness. Is there a path forward for Nebraska football to get to the place, even remotely close, to what its fan base thinks it should be? Which is, you know, they still think that there's some future where they can be an important college football program. Nope. No way. Because they fired Bo Pelini, and he was a perpetual nine-win coach. If they could beat, win nine games consistently this day and age, that coach, whoever he is, deserves a lifetime contract. Because the recruiting, even though Nebraska's got the passionate fan base, even though Nebraska's got the history, these kids don't care. Bill, you just talked about Missouri-Nebraska uh, as a Big 12 game. How many of these kids even know Nebraska as a Big 12 team? Fair. They really None. don't. Yeah. And, and so they, they view Nebraska as a team that continually gets its tail kicked by Big Ten opponents. And so how do you change that? Well, with NIL, with recruiting, but everybody else in the Big Ten is getting 100 mil too. So how do you differentiate yourself if you're Nebraska? I mean, you really can't. And so I think this, this idea that Nebraska can get back to the glory days, it's just not, it's not reasonable, not in this landscape of college football. So I think, it, look, I've said this for a very long time. If you are going to be a recruiting disadvantage, which Nebraska is going to be at a recruiting disadvantage, you need to hire somebody unique to run an offense that nobody else is going to see, whether that's the triple option, which I don't necessarily think Nebraska should do, or if you watch the Vanderbilt game last Saturday, spread out of the triple option, which is exactly what Willie Fritz did at Georgia Southern when Georgia Southern transitioned to FBS, and they won the Sun Belt and couldn't even actually win the Sun Belt because they were still in transition. So I think Nebraska should go in that direction. The problem is the the decision-makers don't recognize reality, and – Reality is going to hit them in the face consistently if they don't sort of get their minds right. Barrett's dropping truth, and I'm just hoping that Aunt Annie and Uncle Dan aren't listening in Omaha because some, some truths are hard to listen to. Uh, Barrett, last one for you. I could do this all day, but I do want to ask you about, about USC here in my, my backyard. Lincoln Riley, Caleb Williams, obviously uh, a fertile area for recruiting in the years ahead, massive expectations. What do you think USC can be this year? Uh, awesome and awful and really nothing in between. And the reason I say that is because the skill position players are there. And we know those guys can, if you have that kind of talent, you can win at an elite level. But you can't win at an elite level at all times. You can't block. And USC can't block. So it's going to be feast or famine this year. And honestly, though, in reality, that's fine. If the expectation is Lincoln Riley taking the college football playoff this year, you need to hold yourself in check a little bit. But an 8-4 and four season – where you beat a team maybe that you, you maybe shouldn't. Maybe you go 9-3 and three and, you know, you can get to the Pac-12 championship game in the South if Utah makes it because there are no divisions this year. That's good enough. And I think if Lincoln can con- convince Southern California offensive linemen and defensive linemen that this team can be a national power, then it can be. But if he only goes skill positions, it's not going to happen. Barrett Salee, it is the beginning of a long and exciting season. Looking forward to talking to you, following your coverage at CBS Sports, CBSSports.com, CBS Sports HQ. Uh, my friend, appreciate you and a busy time. Thank you for making time. My pleasure, Bill. Hey, we got four more days of this, so pace yourself out there. <laughs> Last night was great, but 
we still got to get things, you know, pull it back a little bit because otherwise Monday night's going to be hard. I will go. I'm going to go slow. It's it's like easing into a bachelor party. You don't you don't do it all at once. You just work your way in slowly. Well, I can tell you, Pitt and Purdue and Penn State and West Virginia certainly tried to go all out in the first night. So. <laughs> it did. Yeah, they did. Thank you, buddy. See you, Bill. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Ookla speed test intelligence data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023. We all agree that reducing carbon emissions is a good thing. And once again, Toyota is leading the way. We hear a lot about fully electric vehicles, and Toyota has them with more on the way. But we also know a BEV is not for everyone, whether it's because of cost, range, or concern about finding a charging station when you need it. Plus, the raw materials used to manufacture batteries are limited. Enter Beyond Zero, Toyota's vision for a carbon-neutral future in vehicles, and in manufacturing plants, too, in the years ahead. The materials used to make just one long-range battery for an EV could be used to make batteries for six plug-in hybrids or 90 gas-electric hybrids. That's why Toyota's position today is electrified diversified, empowering you to choose how to reduce your own carbon footprint with the vehicle that's right for you. A hybrid, plug-in hybrid, or battery EV. So shop, learn more, and get details at toyota.com slash beyondzero. Toyota, let's go places. This is Tony Kornheiser's show. I'm Tony. We expected someone else. So what exactly is the show about? Hmm, I don't know. It's a sports show nominally. Football's over, but we're finally at a point where things matter in college basketball. And baseball season is on deck. Greatest three words in the English language, pitchers and catchers. We have some of the best voices come on and explain what matters or what makes an upset, like Ryan does, <laughs> nine over eight. No, that's not an upset. No, yeah, it is, Bob. And if you're lucky, I might just tell you about my search for discounted sleep pants or my worries about what my dog just ate. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.